You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. If you would, would you take out your Bibles and turn to uh, Genesis chapter 3. That shouldn't be too hard to find this week. And um, if you just hold your, your place uh, once you're there, uh, we'll come back to it in just a few moments. When you came in today, you received communion elements and you might be thinking, oh, they got so caught up in the spirit, they forgot about communion. No, uh, we're going to have uh, communion and just a little bit more of worship at the end of the message. So uh, just be prepared for that. Um, so for the past four weeks, uh, we've been focusing on an unfortunate yet undeniable war, and the battlefield for that war uh, takes place in our hearts, and the opponents are the false gods, are uh, the idols who are competing for our allegiance, and actually the allegiance, the love, the loyalty, the worship that belongs to the one true God, and these gods have an agenda they want to work in our lives in such a way that they would find themselves elevated in our lives above our pursuit of God. That's what they're continually uh, working. They want to be the focus of all of our pursuits. Throughout the series, as we've wrestled with the question, who is your God? Uh, we've confronted quite a few gods. We confronted the gods of pleasure, which was food and sex, and entertainment, and we confronted the gods of power, which was success, and money, and achievement, and um, in doing so, we've uncovered a tactic, and that tactic is that the gods work to distract, and to deceive us, to lure us uh, into their camp, into their territory, that they again would be elevated uh, above God in our lives, and we also affirm that like Joshua, remember we looked at Joshua chapter 24, and um, Joshua put out a challenge to the children of Israel. And he said, you need to make a choice. You, you're, you do something. Ch- choose, choose a God. Uh, but here's what I want to tell you. Uh, today, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so what we've realized is we all, we need to make a choice. And it should not be our default choice by letting the gods win in our lives, but instead that we would recognize that there's really only one right choice, and that right choice is to choose uh, the one true God. Um, The the false gods, uh, they only bring guilt and shame and dissatisfaction and disappointment, but they never, they never, listen to this, they never deliver what they promise. Uh, And the same is true of the final God that we want to confront today. I want to introduce that God to you with just a quick story. Maybe some of you have heard it before. Uh, But two men decided that they wanted to go on a camping, a weekend camping adventure. They they got the maps out. They scouted out where they were going to go. They packed up and they uh, went to their spot. They, They hiked deep, deep into the woods to find that perfect, perfect camping spot. Um, set up camp. Uh, on their first morning uh, at, at, at camp, they were sitting out by the campfire having their morning coffee. And one of the men uh, looked off in the distance and he saw a grizzly bear uh, coming. And even though the grizzly bear was really far away in the distance, it was moving very quickly towards them. And so he reaches down, he, he, he takes his running shoes, he puts them on and he begins to lace them up. And the other man that's camping with him says, seriously, you think you're going to be able to outrun that bear? And he looks at him and he says, I don't have to outrun the bear, I only have to outrun you. 
And I think that that is a great picture of the God that we want to confront today, which is the God of me. And this might be the toughest one that we actually confront, uh, the God of me. In other words, the, the God who says that you are most important. You take care of yourself. You look out for you. Um, last week, uh, as we were working through the series, we identified that one of the chief, if not the chief strategy of the gods, little g gods, is um, they always go after the heart. So when we engage in this battle with the gods, in reality, it's not the little gods against the big God, the supreme God. But what's really happening is it's the little gods, little g gods, battling in my heart. There's a battle between me and the gods that's going on. And so uh, as these gods make their way, again, they, they begin to lure us that we're elevating them as opposed to God. But what's really happening is we're elevating the God of me. In other words, all of these other gods, they're all um, the prominent God is the God of me. And, and they're really kind of serving that God. So uh, the real idol, the real God becomes the God of me. Um, every day, every day, you and I are all grappling, fighting, warring with the God of me. But um, hopefully we've learned this by now. It is a losing battle. And here's why. There's only one God and that God is not me. I'm going to say it again just for you, Cotton. There's only one God, and that God is not me. So when we pursue the God of me, we're always going to encounter disappointment and dissatisfaction and guilt and shame because that's all they're actually able to deliver. Uh, we know when... Uh, the gods are winning the war within us when we allow ourselves to be so self-consumed, self-seeking, self-absorbed that we actually bind ourselves worshiping ourselves rather than God. And it's much easier to do than we want to give credit for. Um, the culture that we live in actually promotes this. Uh, we live in a selfie culture, Right? We, we live in the selfie generation probably more than any other time. And this selfie culture is greatly fueled today by social media. And I'm not anti-social media, although I will say that I found myself um, several weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I, I didn't delete my social media accounts, but I deleted all the apps off my phone because what I found is in the morning time, Rather than going to the Word first, I was looking to see what was going on in the social media world. And I was scrolling, and I was scrolling, and I was scrolling. And you've all done it if you're on. It's real easy to do, except for Dave says he's never done it. Uh, it's probably, he's probably not on there. Um, uh, it, it's real easy to do. And what I found is I used the leftover time for my time in the Word. So, oops, I've got to hurry and speak at the church office, so I only have a little bit of time. So I'm not condemning social media, but what I found for me is it's been a great release. It's been a great, I, my mind has been able to focus uh, on, on the, the right things, especially, especially in the season that we find ourselves in with uh, the political things going on, uh, COVID, the battle for masks, all of these things. Honestly, I was just so frustrated that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the mindset that I was supposed to have. But we live in a selfie 
That was a little side message. Well, we live in a selfie culture. Listen to this. One year after Google introduced Google Photos, they reported that users had uploaded a total of 24 billion selfies on just two servers. That's just a fraction of all the selfies that are uploaded, downloaded every year. Uh, just, just a fraction. Oftentimes, these selfies have beautiful scenery in the background. If people are traveling, it might be the Eiffel Tower, it might be Big Ben, uh, Mount Rushmore, whatever. But most often, the, the background behind the selfie is very bleak, almost nothing there. So the only thing you see is selfie. And that's, that's very purposeful because what, what happens is selfie is promoting uh, a self. It's, it's, it's kind of that it's all about me. Um, we process life in a culture that wants us to believe that it's all about me. Um, in our culture, we are encouraged to look out for ourselves. We are uh, encouraged in such a way that we are to love and promote ourselves in order to get what we want. And maybe you don't agree with this, but as a culture, this is what's happening. This is the influence of the culture. Um, it isn't something new. It's something that started a long time ago. Uh, so let's look at the passage in Genesis chapter 3. I want to just read just uh, five verses to you. Beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like him, knowing good and evil. The serpent, Satan, lured Adam and Eve towards the God of me with three deceptions. And I want to tell you what those deceptions are. The first one is, um, the first deception, God is holding out on you. God is holding out on you. He says, you, you won't die if you eat the fruit. You're not going to die. There's more, and God knows that. And he doesn't want you to know all of this. So he's, he's holding out on you. Um, he doesn't have your best interest in mind. So eat the fruit so that you can gain more. You can actually be God yourself. So he took truth and he twisted it. And it's the same tactic that he uses to lure us today towards the God of me. God is holding out on you. There's more. There's more if you'll go search it out, promote yourself, take care of yourself. Um, God does not have your best interest in mind. He uses that tactic today. The second deception is you have everything you need to be your own God. He says, um, if you eat the fruit, you're not going to die. Imagine being there in the garden looking on as he's talking to Eve and, and, and Adam's nearby. Don't be fooled that he wasn't he wasn't somewhere close by, watching on. And the serpent says, the fruit is right there at your fingertips. If you will just take hold of it 
and you will pull it towards you. And if you'll eat it, you will have full knowledge. You can promote your status and your position. You have what it takes. Why would you want someone else to be in control of your life when you can control it better than anyone, even than God? And that's the same tactic he uses today, right? Take control of your life. You have what it takes you can be your own God. You will rule yourself better. You know yourself better than anything or anyone. God's holding out on you. There's more. So take control. And then there was a third deception. What matters, what really is important is not God, but you. What matters most is not God, but you. In other words, um, God says, you know, again, God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. He takes truth and he twists it so that he can convince them to take control of your life. Take care of yourself. Watch out for you. You are what's most important. Same tactic that he uses for us today. That's what our, and he, and he, he, the, the enemy does it through the culture. Take care of yourself. Promote yourself. Love yourself in such a way that you choose what you want. In other words, if what God says and what you want clashes, then you go for what you want. That's what's most important. Now, here's the deal. We're all fighting the same battle that Adam and Eve were fighting. But the problem is they didn't win the battle. They lost the battle. So how can you and I know when we're battling, which we most often are the God of me, and if the God of me is gaining ground in our life? I want to give you four symptoms. Uh, the first symptom that the God of me might be gaining a ground in your life is, the first one is arrogance. Arrogance. Um, the God of me refuses to listen to the wisdom of others. Uh, the God of me um, has a theme song, and the theme song is, I'm always right, and my way is the only way. Um, the arrogant person moves ahead, choosing their own way, even if their own way is proving to be wrong. The arrogant person will continue to move ahead. And listen, all of us probably have a touch of arrogance in us, right? Let me uh, give you some questions to check yourself with. When was the last time you made any of these statements? I was wrong. You were right. I should have listened to you. I like your idea better. You just got so uncomfortable in the room. I saw some husband and wife spreading apart just now. Let me, let, me do, let me give you those questions one more time. <laughs> uh, are these, uh, when was the last time you made any of these statements? I was wrong. You were right. I should have listened to you. I like your idea better. Listen, remember, you're measuring yourself, not anyone else that may or may not be here. A second symptom of the possibility of uh, the God of me is insecurity. You're consumed with what others think about you. 
Um, you're terrified of trying something new because you might fail and others would see that failure. You can't help be, but be self-conscious because when you try to act as your own God, then it's all about me. Um, uh, the God of me feeds insecurity. A third symptom of the God of me is loneliness. When the God of me is in charge, you eventually run people off. Here's why. They get tired of hearing about you. They get tired of hearing about what you want. Um, they get tired of you placing your needs above others. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the God of me does not operate from an other's mindset. Instead, the, it causes the person to always look out for themselves and seek what they want. Um, here's a fourth one, self-seeking. It, it becomes obvious that you're placing your needs and wants uh, above others. Uh, you, you're constantly seeking what you, you want. And I want to give you a fifth one that's not in the notes, okay? Uh, it's defensiveness. A person wrestling with the God of me can take the slightest suggestion or the blandest criticism and interpret it as a personal attack. Uh, when this does happen, um, well, when you're God, you have to be perfect uh, listen to this. So think about it. If, if you're declaring that you're on God, then you're kind of declaring that you're perfect. And that means that because you're God and you're perfect, no one else is even in a position to criticize you. So how could they know? Because you, you know it all. These are just some of the symptoms. And if we think about it, like I thought through, and it's like uh, probably three out of five, I probably need to work on. No comment. <laughs> uh, if we're willing to be honest... Huh? No. <laughs> well, she said, can I say which one? And she's going to say, I never say I was wrong. I never say you were right. I should have listened to you. I like your idea better. <laughs> Thank you for helping me out there. Um, if we're honest, uh, probably all of us uh, deal with more of these symptoms than we would like to admit. Um, and these symptoms, the God of me, can create some really challenging problems in life and for other people. You know, as we began this series, we determined that our course of action was to recognize the gods that we're battling and to dethrone them, uh, to dethrone any god that uh, might be battling, whether that be the god of food, sex, entertainment, money, achievement, success, power, pleasure, whatever it might be. Um, here's the deal. All of those gods really are wrapped up in the God of me. At, at the end of the day, they're, they're wrapped up in the God of me. So let, let me quickly, uh, how do we dethrone these, these gods? Every day we need to acknowledge our need for God and pursue him with great passion. Every day we have to be willing to confront our desire to make it all about us and to die to that desire. And every day, excuse me, we have to look for opportunities to serve others, to affirm others, to elevate others. In other words, we've got to take the attention off of ourselves. Um, hopefully, over the past weeks, this is five weeks in this series now, uh, we've all been wrestling with a question, um, who is my God? Who am I going to serve? Uh, which God is winning the battle of my heart. And perhaps you've identified one of the gods that we've talked about or you've identified another. My question is, what will you do about it? 
if you've identified another God that's winning the battle, what, what will you do about it? Are you willing to dethrone that God? Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to elevate God, the one true God, above every other God that's battling for your allegiance and the, the, the love, the loyalty, and the worship that belongs to God? I, I hope that everyone in the room is saying, I have identified, and yes, I want to do something about it. So I want to tell you where to start. I want to tell you where to start. You say, I'm sorry. God, I acknowledge that there have been other gods in my life, and um, I've been elevating them far above you. And then you say, um, my agenda, the me agenda, has been all wrong. Um, I want to start all over. I want to go back to the beginning. I want nothing else but you. You, you, are, you are my desire. So here again, I'm sorry, God. My agenda of me has been wrong. I want to go back to the beginning. Um, I want to die to self and to all of those gods. And, and, and I, want, I want you more than anything else. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.